expanding the Nerdosphere, talking on everything you want to hear. From comics to cosplay, from the cinematic universe to fan films and everything in between, it's time to get down and nerdy. Here are your hosts, James Witham and Nick Pataglia. Well, here we are, almost the holiday season on episode 92 of the Down and Nerdy podcast, where we are guaranteed 100% Star Wars The Force Awakens spoiler free. Yeah, I'm actually just looking at this bag in front of me right now that you've presented in front of me. It's a Spider-Man gift bag, and what the fuck is in it? Oh, we will get to that here in just a second. <laughs> okay. By the way, I'm James with him alongside. The Merkle Warner, Nick Pataglis. So yeah, man, Star Wars is out, and um, well... I want to ask you this question. When are you going to see it? Because I'm probably going to see it Monday, probably like in the morning. I want, the way I see it is this. Monday morning, Lynn Haven, if there's like an 8 o'clock, 10 o'clock show, first, whatever the first show is on Monday morning, I'm going to go to that one. I'm not seeing the theater filled with full theater filled with people because people start talking, especially because this is a movie that takes place 30 years after Return of the Jedi, so it's probably some important dialogue to know what the yep. fuck happened with those 30 years, mm-hmm. and people start talking, I'm going to start punching people. Yeah, it's going to get ugly real fast, and I don't want that to happen either, so no. I'm kind of thinking the same thing. Yeah. I don't know, man. I mean, if there's a chance I can sneak into like a... 11 a.m. showing on a Friday or a Saturday or something. Well, here's the th- maybe, but I'm like you. I'm thinking Monday, but Tuesday. Here's the thing: you have two factors that play into key plays. I know your wife probably want to go with you. Yep. And then you got the case of the kid. Yep. Well, luckily we might be able to have some babysitter help there. Maybe not making any guarantee. I mean, we haven't even seen the Hunger Games yet, and, she, <laughs> right. and that's been killing my wife. As anybody who's listened to our <laughs> but show for a while the knows, is like. We're like, oh, we're going to do Hunger Games. It's like, what is with the Hunger Games? Like, when the first part came out, we're like, oh, we're going to review Hunger Games. Okay. Then what happens? I trailer know. comes out. Then the movie comes out. <laughs> then another trailer. Then what happens here? Uh. Oh, we're going to review Mark and Jay Part 2. Then a trailer comes out. And another trailer. And then a movie comes out that we got to go see. Yep. And then it just it just gets buried. It keeps be- getting pushed back further <laughs> and further. And star. It's- By the time we get... To Hunger Games, Deadpool will be out in February. It's, it's, it is the inside joke that just won't die. No, I mean, go back go back and listen to previous shows. We always encourage you to do that. Anything close to a release of Hunger Games, just listen your wife, and find out. Your wife is probably just sitting in your house at this point, just rocking back and forth with a drink in her hand like, Hey, Mitch, just like, when are they going to do it? The odds will ever be in your favor. The odds will ever be in your favor. Exactly. I mean, I know it's not it's not fair, but I mean, they, with there, the kid, it happens. She's sitting in the corner whistling to herself at night. <laughs> I can't. That's a horrible whistle by myself. Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's it's all right. But you, you know, I, I agree with Star Wars. I mean, do we want to see it opening night? Of course, of course. We but we're smart. Yeah, exactly. And I get. And I'm not judging anybody that went out and saw it. Like a midnight showing or something, I would oh, never yeah. do that. If you even if you if you were were in line, I think that's nuts. But hey, more power to you if that's what you want to do. More power to you. I don't judge other nerds for stuff like that. <laughs> but for me, I, I I need to not be in a crowded theater. I right. I cannot stand a crowded theater. Now, Batman versus Superman, I might make an exception because that's <laughs> on my birthday. <laughs> okay, it's my birthday. Uh, Come know, on. I, I think for your birthday, I might just treat you to Batman versus. See, Superman. that's that's a nice thing. To do. I might as well do that because I didn't get you a gift last year. Speaking of which, oh, okay, I remember we recorded last year. Yeah, and if anybody wants to go back. We kind of gave each other a hard time. <laughs> oh, shit. For not doing the whole gift-giving thing. Actually, you gave me a little bit more of a hard time, which I was like, you know what? 
That's a good point. So what I did, <laughs> and I know that this is audio, so it doesn't really play off. <laughs> right. Now, this is something that Nick has no idea, had no idea that this was going to happen. So this Spider-Man gag <laughs> is for him. Okay. Now, you won't be able to see his reaction. <laughs> However, you will get to hear his reaction right. because this is my gift I, to my friend and my colleague uh, and my partner in crime, <laughs> Nick Battaglia. I feel like an ass because I didn't get you anything. No, it's know. okay. It's okay. I'm poor, so I mean, shit. Well, you know, I understand. <laughs> yes, I use electrical tape yeah, on the bag. You dick. I, which is because. No, that one, but three times. I forgot the tape on the bag, and I didn't want it to be <laughs> flapping in the breeze. So I said, what's. And I'm outside, so I can't go back in. And mess up the baby and the dogs. I'm like, ooh, electrical tape. Okay, so I'm not looking at that. I'm grabbing. It's soft. Okay. Okay. He's opened it's, the bag. It's a white. He still doesn't really know what white. it is yet. No. Come on, really? Yes. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm gonna fucking cry. Yes. Now he's getting oh a little emotional god. right now, and that's okay. Oh my god! Because you know, as anybody who's listened to the show knows, oh we've done appearances, we've done cons, we've become very official <laughs> as the time's gone on. So I decided it was time for us to get official down and nerdy podcast logo shirts. It's the polo shirts, people. We're not talking t-shirts here. Oh my god! These are official. Stitched logo oh my down god. and nerdy podcast shirts. Of course, I got myself one as well. Oh my god! But I did not tell Nick that I was going to do this. But I thought it was time. Now, now it makes sense because we we're talking about, uh, and we're going. Go oh, I totally lied. Yes. Oh, we're going to go behind the scenes. We we're talking about. And this is true. We we're talking about partnerships, and one of them being um, Loot Crate. And you know, James asked me. He goes, "Hey, if we do sign out with Loot Crate." What shirt do you wear? So if they send us a shirt, or whatever, uh, we can do. You know, you can get whatever size shirt it is. I said I'm a medium, dude. I, we were, and the thing is, we were talking about this last year. I said, yep. man, how official would it be if we just you know get shirts that said the logo and and, and stuff like that, and you know wear the cons and stuff like that. And um, d- oh my God, it's done. So the next time you see us at an appearance. You know, we like to wear our nerd shirts, too. But. But this is official. This is legit, This people. is legit. This is how, you know, you walk up to a company and you see, oh, they've got their logo shirts on. They must they oh. must mean business. You see this and we got our lanyards when we, when we go to cons yep. and stuff like that. Oh, my so God. So this is, this is how it makes Dude, it official. I want to hug you official. Right So this we're going to we're gonna hug it out. Oh, my God. It doesn't uh, play off well on a podcast. Oh, my God. But, uh, Yeah. So we're going to give Nick a minute to compose himself. And while he does that, coming up next, of course, two new comics. We're reading them. We're reviewing them. We'll tell you what we think. It's what we're reading next on Down and Nerdy. This is copywriter Ollie Masters, and you're listening to the Down and Nerdy podcast. Well, it's that time, nerds, where I finally composed myself after that first segment, and I pull out the long boxes alongside with James, because it's time to discuss what we're reading this week, and of course this week, as always, presented by the fine folks over at Fantasy Escape Comics and Cards. Go see Bob and all the great things he has, so the nerds you love, and your nerd heart as well. So, James, now, I posted this on my Facebook a little, actually last week, when I read it, and... 
going back a few shows, I did Carnage number one before the whole, whole all new, all different one. I now, didn't like it. I remember that was a spectacular failure. Yeah, because they were like, let's take Carnage and make him a good guy. Yeah, that was a mistake. Um, so when I saw they were doing another Carnage book, I said, okay, maybe this is the one that breaks the mold. Mm-hmm. Because uh, maybe this is finally the Carnage book that's, that actually focuses on Carnage, makes him the main antagonist, pro whatever, you know, you want to make him most hopefully a main antagonist. First page. Okay, cool. He kills people inside of a, uh, a, a diner. Awesome. This is issue one of the new Carnage book, which of course I'm reviewing this week. And next thing you know, nine pages full of special agents and FBI people and Carnage doesn't show up until three quarters towards the end of the book. Really? Yeah. So oh, they manage, they manage to make Marvel manages to make another fucking Carnage book where Carnage isn't the main fucking person. Ugh. Now, I want to say something. Here's the people who worked on it. I believe the writer for last, okay? Uh-oh. <laughs> uh, the art is done by Mike Perkins. Good job, Mike. The, the art is really good at it. Okay. I'll say that. Uh, the colors by Andy Troy is really good. The writer, Jerry fucking Conway. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. Oh, boy. Take a look at this shit. I, I just handed James the okay, comic. Okay, I'm going to look just, at that. Just thumb through it. So pretty much what it does is it sets off where Carnage is in this diner, and he sees that this this person is alive that he kind of has an infatuation for, in a sense. And fast forward to this, like, mine, military base. Unbelievable. J- Jane Jones Jameson's son enters the fold, and he's back in the military secret services now. And there's some shit going on. They're trying to lure Carnage out there because that's why the whole uh, image of the person Carnage is infatuated with, Cleus Cassidy, you know, is on the TV and he sees that because they want to capture him. And next thing you know, just to fast forward, something happens at the end that transforms this book. I'm going to the end right now. Into being pretty much a bottle film or a bottle comic. Pretty much something happens at this mine where now the rest of the series mostly is going to be these three agents and Cletus Cassie's also with them as well. Here's the problem. Outside all that, I felt like I was reading an Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. comic. Which they already have, by the way. Yeah. And it's at this point where I'm like, you know what? Here's my thing with Marvel. I, outside of Deadpool, because Deadpool number two really picked it up, Outside of Deadpool and Star Wars, I'm taking a break from Marvel. I'm telling this to Bob right now over Fanscape. Bob, I know you're listening to this. Everything Marvel in my poll that is not Deadpool or Star Wars, take it out now. Wow. Darth Vader, too, by the way. No, no. I want to keep keep Darth Vader. Vader. Yeah, Yeah, keep, keep Vader, keep Star Wars, keep Deadpool. Everything else I want dropped from my poll because Marvel, I look at Marvel now like I look at Apple where Marvel's such a huge name. And, I mean, it's always been a huge name, but right. it's gotten to the point now with the movies and the TV They're shows. They're top dog, for sure. Well, it's also at that point now with the movies and the TV shows where they're at a point in fandom where a lot of people feel they can't do any wrong. That's what I've been saying that for how long on the show? And they're riding long on time. that. And they've been riding on the fact of, let's put these books out that, you know, DV, you know we'll, oh, name is Carnage, but we'll make him the, the secondary character. We'll make him the bad guy. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll focus more on these people, on these agents and stuff like that. You know, 
The whole all new all different stuff is not good. De- Deadpool, I'll say this. If it wasn't for Deadpool number two kicking it up a notch, I would have dropped that too. I'll jump in to say that I have been reading Invincible Iron Man, and that has been surprisingly good. Right. So I will say that was good. I know I reviewed Daredevil last week on the show. There was some stuff I liked about it, but again, there were some major issues for me there. So it's like, okay, I, you know, do I continue with this? Do I give it another issue? And I'll tell you that based on the other stuff that e- either you've reviewed or I've reviewed, it's giving me hesitation to try other stuff. Like, do I want to try Scarlet Witch? I absolutely, absolutely do. I almost want to review that this week, but I'm like, ah, that's four bucks, and I don't, I don't know. And that's the I thing. don't know. And that's the thing. I mean, you know, I look at this comic, I look at what they're doing. This is a four dollar comic. Yeah. This Carnage one is a four dollar comic, and I got maybe six pages of Carnage. Everything yeah. else is everything else is all the agents. There's there's like Carnage in the first couple of pages and it's nine straight pages now, of agents. if it was like Carnage versus S.H.I.E.L.D. or versus yeah. AIM or something like that. That, that way be, you kind of... Yeah. You, you give... You go in and those, you go, those, okay... Those books work. Carnage yeah. versus X-Force. Great yeah. four-part series. Carnage versus Deadpool. Awesome four-part yep. series. Well, who wrote that, well, though? Colin Bundy. Yeah, there you go. And the thing is, it's just like, I look at this and I'm like... And it's just one of those things, man. Like I said, it's Marvel. I, I got to take a break from them. And, and, and I'm not coming off as a, man, a guy who says, fuck Marvel. I can't be a guy who says, oh, keep let me keep Star Wars and anything else, but fuck Marvel. Yeah. It's more, Marvel, you're hurting me as a longtime fan. I was a guy who grew up on your books. You know, I was, X-Men got me involved in comics. And I hate seeing what Marvel's become where I feel like they're putting out not that many good books or not good books at all except for maybe like one or two titles and they're getting by in their name like Apple does when it comes to tech and stuff like that. And maybe Conway's just not the right guy for Carnage. But the th- I don't dislike Conway, to, but... It's not hard to write a Carnage book. All you gotta do is make sure that, you know, yeah, you probably gotta kind of maybe go, you know who would be great for this? Frank Miller, I think, would do a good Carnage book. But would he do it, though? Probably That's not. That's the thing. That's the thing. Because... Carnage is a is a very dark character. It needs to be. I mean, this is rated T plus. This needs to be like an M to do a proper Carnage book, you know. And you know, make it like that. Make it bloody. Make focus on Carnage. I'm sick and tired of books that are, are name only. And you think you're going to get a good book, and you think you're going to get a book centered around a certain character, and you get the book, and you open it up, and you don't get it. Here's the thing, and I know we're kind of running long on this, and we will move on to the next thing here in just a second, but. I'm going to give a suggestion to Marvel. I want Marvel, and this is not a plug, okay? I'm, I'm being completely genuine here. I think folks at Marvel need to go pick up some Dark Horse comics. Yeah. Because Dark Horse does that bloody horror yes. you know, kind of genre well. And there's a number of great writers and artists in Dark Horse that do that very well. And, you know, Colin Bunn's one of them. And even Image. Dude can't write everything. Yeah, look at Dark Horse, look at Image. So pick up those comics, and that should tell you right there how to write a Carnage book. I think if Carnage went to Dark Horse, Mm this will never happen. But I'm just saying. right. If Carnage was on Dark Horse, I I think they'd do it right. I'm just just saying. Yeah, so for me, this is a drop. This is a drop for me. Before I go on any longer, what did you do this week? Speaking of bloody... (laughs) <laughs> uh, I decided to because you know we typically don't go back and revisit things yeah. that we I mean I know you've done it with Sinestro but I'm guilty of not really doing it a whole lot so I was like you know what let me go back to Image and I hate Fairyland because we talked to Scotty Young about issue one but we never reviewed it <laughs> yeah yeah it's true so I'm going to do issue two 
of I Hate Fairyland. Here's the funny thing. You know, of course, we had Scotty Young on the show a while back, but when you text me, because you know, we text each other like what we're doing each week, so we don't do the same book each week. When you said, I hate Fairyland, I'm like, wait, is there an amusement park called Fairyland you hate? I'm like, oh, that's right. There's a comic book yep. series called I Hate Fairyland. Yeah, exactly. I had to think for a second because the way text is, I'm like, James hates Fairyland. Well, I mean, I know his son likes to, to watch kids' shows. Yeah, but <laughs> pretty much. Well, that's reason enough right there. Um, <laughs> but go forward. Um, but, of course, it's done by Scotty Young, writer and artist who does a fantastic job, especially the art. I mean, it's just it's out of this world. It's killer, the detail. And I mean the, the little details. Like, remember in issue one, mm-hmm. and this is not a spoiler because it's been out forever. Yeah. Remember the moon that oh. she kind of destroyed? Oh, yeah, he was a narrator. In issue one? Yeah. You see the moon in pieces, <laughs> but it's at a point where Gertrude, who's the main character, is kind of in trouble, and he's got that smirk like, yeah, bitch, now you're going to get yours kind of thing. <laughs> his head, his face is ripped off. You're going to get yeah, yours, yeah, it was bitch. Like, it was like a crescent moon, and he's got, like, <laughs> band-aids on it. Yeah, it's great. Okay, That's good. See, that's the thing, great thing about stories like that is that you bring back stuff like that and you make it fucking hilarious. And and Larry, if you don't read the series, there's like a Jiminy Cricket character called Larry yep. who makes the series because <laughs> he's he a gives, smart ass. He just doesn't care <laughs> at all. And he just tells it like it is in a very sarcastic way, yeah. which is fantastic. And there's actually a point in this book and I'm not going to give away really anything. There's Gertrude does something at the very beginning of the book in a drunken stupor. <laughs> Now, keep in mind, she looks like an eight-year-old. But she's like 30, 40 years exactly. old, though. She does something in a drunken stupor. Let's just say she gets exactly what she wants. <laughs> but the results, not so much what she expected. <laughs> and I'll tell Nick off the air because I want you to go ahead and, and read the book. But let's just say, uh, to make a long story short, she's still searching for that key yeah. to kind of get her back home because yeah. she's dragged into Fairyland, if you don't remember the story from the first issue. She's still looking for the key, but she kind of gets led specifically to a certain but place. But here's, here's the funny thing, if you notice, there's kind of a pattern. The first issue, she bites on the mushroom heads of these, like, people, yep. and she gets kind of like, it's like a mushroom LSD hit kind yep. of thing. Then the second issue, she gets drunk, <laughs> so... She gets a, there, there's more biting is, in this, is, trust is the, me. Is the third issue, she can be, like, snorting fairy dust of there, a goat's ass or there, something there's like that? More, there's more of that in this, in this issue than, <laughs> than you really even know. But she kind of gets led... Because uh, Claudia, who's the queen, yeah, wants yeah, to kill her. Yeah. So she kind of gets lured to this area. And let's just say it uh, it looks bad at the <laughs> end of issue two for Gertrude. I'm going to continue to read the hell out of this book. I love it. It's so different. It's such a cool twist on the classic fairy tale stuff. Because it's not exactly like the exact fairy tales you would know. Oh, yeah. Like, um, what was that series that I was reading? Uh, it was a it was a Boom Studio series. I can't recall the name of it. Oh, uh, Fiction Squad. Fiction Squad, yeah. Which was great because it took it was the exact fairy tales. Yep. That you remember Humpty Dumpty and stuff, but it turned it on its ear and made it more of a detective story, yeah. which was great. But this is kind of a play off that, but it's more adult. It's more hardcore. Scotty Young does such a fantastic it's job. It's pretty much kind of like if you took like the maturity of South Park and like. Infused with like early Disney, absolutely. I mean, it's just it's fantastic. If you haven't read it yet, it's, there's only two issues, so go ahead and grab them both wherever your local shop is, digitally, whatever. This is a pull you have to read. I hate Fairyland. So that's gonna do it for this week of what we're reading. Of course, I did Carnage number one. And I said it's a drop, Jerry Conway. You let me down, James. You did I hate Fairyland number two, and it's a pull for you. So great job by Scotty Young. Come up next. It's this week in Geek Tame. We got two trailers this week to talk about. And let's just say we're gonna go beyond 
for one of them. Don Nerdy continues next. This is comic book writer Colin Kelly, and you're listening to the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Well, it seems like a lot lately we've had a boatload of geek-tainment, and this is no different because apparently every movie studio has decided to release all of their trailers and everything in December just for the nerd holiday. So, Nick, we've got two, so I say we start off with X-Men Apocalypse. Yeah, let's dive into that, shall we? So, of course, the X-Men Apocalypse trailer dropped last week, and... I'm saying this right now, man. I'm not. I said before when the, when the photos were released, I'm not feeling Oscar Isaac as Apocalypse. I'm just not. And I hate being that guy, okay? Because I, I I pick on that guy a lot on this show. But I mean, is it? I mean, I did a meme on me Monday where it was like it's it's Manny. Oh, faces. we both did. Yeah. I mean, it's just, <laughs> it's, it doesn't make any sense. I mean, it's it's the uh, Ivanus. If he had a love child, Manny faces from He-Man. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't look right. Now, I'm not saying that the cartoon animated version looked perfect either. No. But it's what it should have been. Apocalypse, because here's the thing, and this is why I said on Twitter, I said, the problem is X-Men doesn't, isn't owned by Marvel. So, you know, it's, it's a Fox property now. Apocalypse should have been treated by Fox like Thanos is being treated by Marvel. He is the big danger. Yes. As far as the X-Men universe is concerned. Apocalypse for the X-Men is the dark side. He's their Galactus. He's their Galactus. He's their Thanos, you know, kind of thing. That's what he is. I got, I watched this. I got a very Ronan the Accuser feel. I did too. That's exactly how I felt about it. Not that Ronan wasn't badass. But... Ronan, though, he's still, you're like, well, yeah. He's still he, an underling. He's still underling. He was still serving Thanos. So I'm like, okay, Apocalypse is here, but where is the sense of danger? He's like the bad guy in any movie that you know is going to be a threat, but you right. know they'll, you know they'll beat in the end kind of thing. Right, you know? and I want to, speaking of Apocalypse, I want to talk about, of course, his power. So, of course, he has the whole mind control thing. I'm going to say this right now. I can understand why Psylocke is part of the Four Horsemen. I can really understand because she has a history with Archangel. I don't understand why Storm and Magneto have to be part of the uh, Magneto bothers me more than any of them. Yeah. It's like, really? You're going to take Magneto and do that? Because the thing is, Magneto and Charles, for the most part, they've worked well together. And it's kind of like, you know, it's just... To me, it's just like... And not that they always should, because Magneto toes that line. But I believe there was a has. point where Gambit was a f- part of the Four Horsemen. So yeah, he and, was. And, and I'm like, why not Gambit? Why not say, hey, instead of Magneto, let's have Gambit. Like, let's, why can't you... And I understand Brian Singer loves doing this. He doesn't like sticking to the comics a whole which lot. Which is fine. Which is fine, but when it comes to certain characters, you kind of need to stick to the well, script and certain a little bit. plot points, too, and I think that that one was a major one, because you can't take a character like Magneto, or even Storm... And put them in that position. You're it you're almost weird. wasting them in that yeah. position. I think. Well, yeah, it's 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 it's. I'm gonna say this right now. It's the Hawkeye from Avengers kind of thing. Yeah. Where the whole first movie, he was, you know. Except you're not using Hawkeye. Right. You're using <laughs> Magneto again. Storm. Sad uh, sad face for Hawkeye. We get it. You're not a main Avenger. Okay. <laughs> get used to it. Right. This is Magneto. <laughs> and it's Storm. And that's the thing. It's just. I, 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 I'm going to go into the, the, the movie optimistic because, you know, I did like Days of Future Past a little bit. And I didn't like it as much as I love First Class more. Um, but I uh, liked them both, so I can't complain. I mean, I liked them both. Days of Future Past was pretty, was pretty good. Um, 
it wasn't like, oh my god, I need to see this again. Kind Quicksilver of thing. was. Quicksilver was right. Yeah. But again, we got a little bit of scene with Quicksilver in there. Nightcrawler, I like Nightcrawler looks like he's from a fucking emo band. I will say that Jubilee really looks like that's gonna yeah, work out. Yeah, Jubilee that's looks work out. of all the characters, Jubilee looks no. like she's gonna be the no. one that works out. <laughs> I mean some of the other ones look good too. I think Archangel looks good. Yeah. Um I think that, you know, Jean Grey, she looks Jean Grey, fine. Yeah. Uh, I don't have a problem with the looks of a lot of the other characters. Psylocke obviously looks good, but but here's it's the, thing the roles though, that they're playing now. But here's, I, the, uh, and here's the thing though too: they go in time. It looks like to what the eighties or the seventies. Yeah, in something this. Like, it looks like eighties to me. Why not? And this is something that, that bothers me. In first class, they had the classic blue and yellow suits. Yep. So if you're going back to the eighties and the seventies, through different time periods, it looks like. Why not give them the classic, you know, yellow and blue, or the classic looks? Preaching but no, let's choir, put, let's put in black. Yeah, let's 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 yeah. do that. No, because that's what we do now in in movies. For some reason, we always go with the black route. Right. I mean, really, come on, come it's, on. Is this for Wesley Snipes? Always been on black from Passenger Fifty Seven. Right. I mean, come on, right. come on. Why do we have to go that route every time? Right, it, it's just the all-black suits. I mean, I just I don't get it, man. I really are we trying don't. to make it easier for cosplayers? Is that what we're doing? I think that's what we're I mean, doing. And then cosplayers don't want it to be easy. No, they want a challenge. So they want stop patterns it. and stuff stop like that. Stop it. But uh, I mean, final thoughts for a pause before we move on to our second trailer. I'm not. I'm, I'm giving the impression that I hated it. I didn't, I don't hate it. No, but, I haven't seen the movie yet. But, but just like you, I'm going in. Uh, I'm going <laughs> in optimistic because of yeah. how the last two were. Yeah. But the caution bulbs lit because of apocalypse. Apocalypse. And it's like, am I really? Obviously, you know that they're gonna win in the end because that's just what right. happens. But you did. You still want to give yourself that sense of. Something could go really wrong here. You right. know what I mean? Yeah. Kind of like, and again, we haven't seen The Force Awakens yet, but I think that in Star Wars, you know, in the original trilogy, they always gave you that sense of they could really lose yeah. in every movie. Yeah. That's how I want to feel, and I don't know if we're going to feel that way. Uh, I'm, I'm going in it very, very cautious, but again, optimistic as well. And again, it's going to come down to Apocalypse, like all, like Age of Ultron. Like, listen, go back to hear my review of that when I first saw it. I got out of the theater and I first saw it, so I'm like, you know, you got that, oh my God, it's the greatest thing ever. Yep. Then you sit down and you really think about it, you watch it again, and you're like, yeah, Ultron wasn't that threatening or anything like that. And I hope that's not the case with Apocalypse, because like I said, he is the Thanos. He is, got the momentum, Blankus, he is the momentum, dark side. They have got momentum You've got right momentum, now. too. Huge momentum. That's the thing. You've got the huge momentum with that. Now, speaking of <laughs> momentum, apparently, momentum, at least for me, I think is being stalled when it comes to Star Trek, because J.J. Abrams, of course, is the producer for Star Trek Beyond, so Justin Lin comes in from Fast and the Furious, and he's taking over the reins for directing. Um, you brought up something during the break that's actually very, very telling of this trailer, and I want you to talk about that. It's Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. That's what it is. I well, watched the trailer. Well, Guardians of the Galaxy. It's, uh, to me, it's, you say Guardians of the Galaxy. To me, it's just a very generic sci-fi film. It's just, you You brought something up when we were talking about this when the trailer first came out. You were like, it's like the dad that's trying to be hip for his kids, yeah. and it just doesn't work. Yeah. Now, I think for, for Kirk, in a way, that's okay. I can kind of excuse that right. because that's kind of who young Kirk is. Yeah. And he doesn't make any apologies for it. So that I don't mind. And I love Bones McCoy, too. I mean, yeah. come on. I mean, Carl Urban does a fantastic oh, job. Oh, yeah. But overall, that's the theme that I got. 
I got Guardians of the Galaxy, and I and when you said that, I was like, "That's a perfect." Well, not just that, but it looks like they're making a bottle film too. And and by bottle film, it looks like we see in the beginning the Enterprise again gets destroyed. There's two things I think in cinema that just can't go one movie without getting destroyed. That's the Golden Gate Bridge in any X Men film, and then there's the fucking Enterprise in Star Trek. And you know, in the past two movies, you know, it's gotten shot out and everything else, and it's just I look at this and I'm seeing myself like. Star Trek, and you look at like what Will Wheaton and George Takei said about you know Star Trek. It's about the technology. It's about exploring other worlds, not getting attacked and falling down. You know who I love to hear talk about is my mom, because my mom is a huge Star Trek fan. Yeah, see, I'm guilty of the same thing that J.J. Abrams is. I've always been more of a Star Wars fan yeah. than a Star Trek fan, and maybe that's... And I love J.J. Abrams. Go back and listen to previous shows. Yeah. I've done nothing but praise J.J. Abrams pretty much every I chance I get. Well, I wasn't a fan of Into Darkness. That fellow was just, you know, Rat the Con. He was just fan service for Rat the Con kind of a thing. But with this, it's like, when I saw the... the I can't think of her name. She was in The Kings, and she's playing the... Uh, looks a bit like a white elf. I'm like, oh, the Dark Elves with Thor is in this game, in yeah. this movie. I mean, look... I do. I want to see another Star Trek film. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm just worried that it's going to be like Guardians of the Galaxy. And uh, hey, I love Here's the people. Question. I love the people love Guardians of the Galaxy, but we don't need other movies to be Guardians of the question. Galaxy. Here's a question. So I mean, in the trailer, we see that you know there's all these different. What appears to be like all these different Starfleet members, and they're all like on this planet and stuff like that. And we get a look at Idris Elba's character for like a split second. What if? You know that famous Star Trek episode where Kirk fights that, like, lizard thing? Yeah, yeah. What if Idris Elba is supposed to be that thing? Uh, d- hey. From that classic fight you, scene you episode? You never know. You never know. That that could happen. But I just look at this and I said, like, you know, you got the Beastie Boys playing and stuff like that. I'm like, it just felt to me like any generic sci-fi film. It felt like... It, it didn't feel like a Star Trek movie. No. It just did not. And... Maybe people will say, well, do you want it to be boring with all the science and technology? Kind of. Kind of. Kind of do. Kind of. Because you know what? Not everything has to be funny. Not everything has to capture the youth of America. Give me a good Star Trek movie. And I'm glad you brought up Youth of America because, to me, this mostly deals with the fact that people nowadays have shorter attention spans. So what what do a lot of people want now? Action, 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 fight, fight, fight. Little bit of story, little bit of story, more fight, 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 kill the big bad, and roll credits. And Star Trek has never, go back to the original series, never been about fight, fight, fight. No. Ever. It's about exploration. It's about exploration and, you know, yeah, you're going to have some some dog fights and some stuff like that. Where the Enterprise probably will get shot down and stuff like that, but mostly that's not after until they come into some sort of exploration. Yeah, and that's fine because that that has to happen every now and then. But it looks like in the beginning of the movie, the the Enterprise is going to get shot down. Yeah. I mean, uh, I just want... Uh, and and uh, this is not a knock on J.J. Abrams because I just feel like, first of all, he's overextended mm-hmm. now that he's got the whole Star Wars universe thing going. But And I don't even really blame him. He loves Star Wars so much that he kind of wants to make Star Trek, Star Wars, in a way. I, I can't really blame him for that a whole lot. I mean, what else do you want the guy to do? I, I don't know, man. I, I don't know. I'm... V- <laughs> 
I know we got to see this movie. I'm. I would just. I would hand it to somebody. Else. I mean, and the guy from the Fast and the Furious. Come on. Well, no. When he when he, come when he on. Got, here's the thing. When he got it, though, I was like, okay, there could be some promise here. But it's pretty much Guardians of the Galaxy meets Fast and the Furious, and I'm like, we need somebody who to direct who really has a good grasp on, on a sci-fi. See, I felt exactly the opposite way. I felt like when he got it, I was like, so we're going basically going further and further away from what Star Trek is. That's the first thing that I thought. And if that's what you want in Star Trek movies, knock yourself out. Right. Please do. I liked the first one. I liked the second one. Nick and I diverge on that a little bit. But I don't want to see it go in this direction. And I love that people love Guardians of the Galaxy. This is Star Trek. It's not Star Wars. It's not Guardians of the Galaxy. It's Star Trek. It's not for everybody, okay? Mm-hmm. Let thi- Can we just let things not be for everybody now? Yeah. Or do we have to make everything for everybody? It's, yeah. Well, and again, and really quickly, it's one of those things we're living in a time now where you need to make, if you're a certain brand of film, if you're like a Star Trek or a Star Wars or whatever, you need to make a certain amount of money, and that's what it is now. I get that, but it, it I love the fact that it looks like DC is just, is with their movies... And this is this is why I'm making this comparison. It looks like DC is going, you know what? We're making our movies our way. We're not going to try and pander. Here's what the we're same, doing. Like it or don't like the it. The same thing goes for when we reviewed Turtles last week. The yeah. Turtles 2. They said, you know what? Exactly. We're going to make, yep. make the movie our way. Yep. We're going to do it. You know, we're going to base it off the cartoon. If you're somebody who's going to be really you know, pissed off that it's not going to be based on the comic, this isn't for you because yeah. this is for the newer generation if of fans. If you don't like it because you're older and you feel like this should be a certain way, we don't care. We're making the movie that we want to make. And you know what? It's time to kind of slow clap for those people. Yeah. Because they're doing exactly what you should be doing and not pandering to a mass audience of a short, with a short attention span. Right, right. And, and again, with Star Trek, it shouldn't be, you know, oh, we don't understand these people want action, 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 but we want, but you know what? We're going to stick to the script. We're going to do what Star Trek was mostly known for. And we're going to base off of that. And just because it's about science and technology doesn't mean that it's going to be unattainable or unexplainable yeah. to everyone. You can still, if, if you do it right, you'll still understand what's going if on. Neil deGrasse Tyson, who I love listening to, can break things down for me to the point where I really understand after listening to him talk, I can have a sense of, oh my God, I know so much more now. I think people can do it with a Star Trek You can movie. make a movie and explain the science within the movie. Yeah. It's doable. It's been done a million times. Exactly. That's going to do it for this week in Geek Tainment. Coming up next, this nerd news and Hideo Kojima has found himself a new home. Where is he going? Find out next on Down Nerdy. This is Victoria Atkin, the voice of Evie Fry, and you're listening to the Down and Nerdy podcast. Well, it's that time, nerds. We go around the interwebs and see what Hideo Kojima is doing because it's time for what, James? Nerd news! And as mentioned, Hideo Kojima... Well, let's just say he's found a new home, James. Yep, and it looks like he's leaving Konami for good this time. And what he's going to be doing, there's been some conjecture. It's kind of looking like he's opening up his own company. Mm-hmm. And he's going to be working with Sony and PlayStation 4 for the first project anyway to kind of develop an exclusive game for them. Exactly. So he found a new independent game studio called Kojima Productions, which actually has partnered with Sony 
for its first project, which is a new franchise that Kojima actually said it's going to be slightly more edgier probably than stuff he's usually done before. Uh, of course, the last game he did with Metal Gear Solid 5 fan pain. I wasn't a big fan of it. I felt that there wasn't a whole lot of story you know, dealing with it. But, I mean, good for Kojima to finally get out of Konami because just from everything we've read from the past year about Konami, dude, it's like working in a house of horrors, pretty yeah, much. Yeah, I, I can't imagine that he would have wanted to stay there very long, but I'm just gonna say it. People are gonna be mad at me. Oh I boy. don't care. Outside of Metal Gear, what's this guy done? Oh, shit! What has he done? Why does everybody make such a huge deal about <laughs> him? Now, there have been some great Metal Gear games. I'm not saying that they haven't been good. I'm not saying that he hasn't done a very good job with them. But at what point do you worry that dude is a one-trick pony? And that he can't... I know he's done other things, so don't jump down my throat, gamers. I know he's done some other stuff, but not to that level. So at what point do you look at this guy and go, Okay, is this a slam dunk? Well, that's the thing. I'm, I'm going to say this right now. First of all, he's at James Ace with, with him on Twitter. Yep. So there you go. Bring it. Bring it. Um... I'm going to say this, I kind of agree with that statement, only because, well, I think Hideo Kojima, yes, he's worked on many, many different games and stuff like that, but really, when you think of Hideo Kojima, you think of Metal Gear Solid, and at least that's what's for me, because that was my first introduction. Yeah, and my then first crickets. Introdu- yeah, my first introduction to Kojima was when Sons of Liberty came out from Metal Gear Solid 2. Yep. You know, or Metal Gear Solid 2 Sons of Liberty, and... Uh, it, since then, I'm like, yeah, I, I can't really think of a game I played when I was younger that had his name on it that wasn't Metal Gear, and you know, and, and I mean, we'll see where it goes. Uh, He's been at it for a long time. I mean, he was with Konami I believe, I mean, we're t- not since saying, 2005. I we're get not, it. I we're, totally. Get we're it. not saying he's talentless. What we're saying is no, that he does have talent. We're saying is outside of a certain genre, how limited is he in terms of that? Right. And, exactly. I think, and, and honestly, I think that. Getting out of Konami and going to Sony, and making I mean, this this partnership kind of thing, where it's the game he's making for Sony is going to be a Sony exclusive. It's not like a time exclusive. It's like you know, an Uncharted, for example, kind of thing is with Naughty Dog. Um, it's like it's with Kojima. It makes sense, and we're going to see. This is going to be the very first true test of okay, you're on your own now. You have nobody to blame but yourself now. Right. You can't blame Konami. And I know he's a film buff, so maybe there'll be something like that. Maybe he'll get into. Starting to do some movies as well, or some series, or something like that. Maybe he'll do that. Maybe that's a pet passion project of his. I don't know, but I, I just I'm not sure that this is such a slam dunk. But I, speaking of things we're not sure it's a slam dunk. <laughs> I don't know about this next story, and it has to do with the GI Joe franchise, Nick. Yeah, so between Paramount and Hasbro, they've created this new kind of G.I. Joe universe that will join up the characters from Micronauts, Visionaries, Mask, and Rom brands, pretty much. So being a child of the 80s, as you were, and you've gone through the 80s, you've lived through this more than I have, explain for us what we should be looking for here with this new deal. Okay, so here's the deal. I get why they want to do this, because there's a lot of similar themes here, especially with Mask and G.I. Joe. I do think that they kind of partner up well. Visionaries didn't really last very long, so I'm kind of surprised that they're bringing them in at all. Micronauts, okay, I get it. I wasn't a huge Micronauts fan at ROM, but here's my thing. Obviously, I think anybody that grew up in the same era that I did and watched these shows knows that G.I. Joe is by far and away the bigger name here. 
Like, not even close. Right. Maybe, to me, I know people loved Micronauts, but to me, Mask is number two behind G.I. Joe because I liked it more. I thought the, the story was a little bit cooler. I liked the characters a little bit more. But again, it was like it's like GoBots, you know. It wasn't it wasn't on the level of Transformers? So yeah, wasn't was there a story like a year ago that said, "Oh, we're gonna get a GoBots movie"? Yeah, it's yeah, like, that never happened. that never happened. But I mean, it's GI Joe. There's enough characters in GI <laughs> Joe already. Mm-hmm. You don't need. And why does everything have to be a friggin' universe now? Because GI Joe should be able to stand because, on its own. Because that's how Hollywood works, dude. It's it's when you see a company like Marvel. Do it well with you know the universe they got now with Phase One when they started all off there and they did you know a lot of people say couldn't be done, a lot of people following suit. That's why you see with the Universal Monsters, what you're seeing now with Hasbro and Paramount. I mean, look, you look at you know the the Transformers movies. They gross more than three point billion dollars to this day, and there's been two GI Joe movies, albeit not great GI Joe movies. Uh, they released 20, 2009, 2013. They've and we've got a third. We've got another one coming. Third one, another we know it's coming. And we've got they've grossed more than six hundred seventy-five million worldwide. So you see why they've done it. But I look at this and I'm like, yeah, uh, Battleship. Um, a lot of other bad things are coming. Probably what this is is this is Hasbro's way of trying to sell more toys. Oh, of course, for franchises they know that there's no chance in hell would be able to carry a movie on their own. So let's throw them in with GI Joe. Hope that it works out, and and let's see what happens. Remember the Max Steel movie we we're supposed to get? Yeah, and never the happened. studio never happened, and probably won't happen now. So you're doing this to try and sell toys, or maybe they want to bring back a Mask animated series or Micronauts or something like that. Maybe they want to do that. I don't know. But to me, this doesn't make any sense. And other another other people are like, well, you know, they kind of have similar themes. Okay, yeah. They have similar themes. That doesn't mean you should put them together. There's already a ton, a ton of characters for G.I. Joe and a ton of storyline that they haven't even touched yet that now you're going to bring in Mask and Rom and Micronauts? No. You don't need to do this. Not everything needs to be a universe. Can we just stop trying to copy Marvel with every little thing now? <laughs> Gosh. Well, moving on to our last story, James, and dealing with multiple characters. Of course, Michael B. Jordan's played a good amount of characters in his career so far. Of course, The Last Giant Storm. Well, actually, no, The Last was Creed, I should say. Yep. Uh, and he actually did a phenomenal job. Michael B. Jordan, I'll just say this. He's one of those actors where I think within the next three to five years, he's going to win an Oscar. He's a great actor. He's a really There's great no actor. The thing is, with his acting, it's going to be to that point where He's been Michael B. Jordan a lot for, for you know very charismatic and like that, but there's gonna be that one role where he really just gets himself digs deep in like full blown Leonardo DiCaprio s type just mindset and everything, and that's gonna give him the Oscar. But why are we talking about Michael B. Jordan in nerd news? Well, he's going to the comic book side and is actually teaming. Up, he's actually teaming up for a new comic book series called North. Now North actually is a pretty interesting book. It's actually a series. That follows a soldier who recruited into a top secret secret paramilitary program that modifies his mind to make him like a spy, kind of like a super spy. So this seems pretty interesting, but it also raises an interesting question. Is this a trend we're gonna be seeing where we're seeing more people like Jordan and other actors get into comics? Now, one reason why I say yes is this, because to me, acting, when you look at it, 
it's really freelance. Like you're under the umbrella of yeah. acting with everything you do, but in the end, you're going job to job to job. It's like being a writer and writing for multiple publications. Mm-hmm. So is this a way for people like Michael B. Jordan to say, you know what? This is a wave, if it does good enough, and comic properties are being eaten up alive right now by studios, is this a way to keep my career going? I think that that's part of it, and I do think that it's interesting that he's going to do this with Dark Horse. Yeah. I think that uh, it's good that he sees that these independent publishers, we call them that, I know that's kind of a dirty word for some. <laughs> right. Uh, I, I think he. it's good that he thinks that it's not just the big two that can sell comics. I like that he's clearly kind of paying attention. I'm sure he shopped it. But I'm sh- it, it shows that he's paying attention. I do think that this is a trend, and it might be a safety net to where they've seen he's seen that now Dark Horse has that first look deal with Universal, and they've got Harrow County coming up, and they're starting to develop, develop more things, and maybe this is something that he can do in the future. And here's the thing, too. This is why he has a lot of positive things going for it that the book North does, is because he's teaming up with artists Dennis Cohen and Bill Sinkowitz both Eisner winners. Yep. I mean, hey, you, you pick the best to work with if you can. So it's it's good that he's picked. They've gotten a good creative team, and I know Dark Horse is probably working diligently with him on this, but he's not the only one that's done this. Keep in mind, Alyssa Milano's done this with Hacktivist. CM Punk has done it. Yep. you got Noel Clark, who does The Troop, yep. has done it as well. He was on Doctor Who. So, you know, this is becoming a trend now. And is this a thing? Are we going to see more actors, actresses start to do this? Are we going to see them try to capitalize on a hot product that is the comic book industry? Well, here's the thing, too, with comics is that what we're seeing a lot in in actors now is we're seeing actors after a few years, after a few movies under their belt, start to say, you know, I want to get into directing. And so writing a comic book, I think, is a good way to get into the whole writing of it. In that way, as a director, you know how to frame things, you know how to really go for, get, you know, pull on emotions and everything else and, and build tension and, and write it. So it's a good way. I think, you know, in a sense, comic books are in a sense of, you know, if, if, you, if this was 20 years ago, hell, if this was even probably 10 years ago, this would be seen as a dirty thing, like more kind of like beneath the beneath yeah. you. Like if you're yeah. like a, if you're like an a, I mean I'll say as Michael Jordan's an a, Michael B. Jordan's an A list actor, I would say. Um, years ago, this is probably what we've seen as probably not by him, but by a lot of people as yeah, comic books. Uh, I don't want to write them; they're for for kids. Uh, why would I want to you know do it? But now it's like oh shit, comic books. A lot of the movies are comic book based, and you know I like a paycheck. And hey, look at like look at this. We, I'm gonna name drop, but it's not our fault. We're friends with this guy, Mark Millar, our friend Mark Millar. Okay, issue two of Huck just came out this week. Before issue one came out, the rights for Huck got picked yep. up. Yep. <laughs> and Mark Millar is a great writer, and he's a good friend of ours. But it just goes to show, man, that that there is potential when you are an actor or whomever and you're writing a comic property, odds are it's going to probably get picked up for a movie. And we talked about this last week with Scott Snyder in the development program, how comics are seen by the writing community maybe as a gateway to get into small screen or big screen adaptations for your product. So why not do this? Especially if Michael B. Jordan feels like he has that talent. And he's a co-creator here. Yeah. So this is an idea that he came up with with somebody. So obviously if he feels like he has that talent, that's something he wants to do, why not try to do it with comics? 
Exactly, exactly. And the, the, the thing I want to touch on too with this is when you look at what he's doing, this is a smart move. And, and, and this is a smart move, and I'll tell you why. The last time we saw him in a comic book property was Fantastic Four. Yeah. This is a way, literally, this is a way for him to say, you know what, wash his hands of it, pretty much in a sense, and say, you know what, I am more than just this failed Johnny Storm, Fantastic Four movie. I'm I'm more than this. I'm going to go out there and show you and get your trust back that, hey, I have what it takes to make a good book. Plus, how many times have we talked about making your own opportunities? Yeah. And not that he needs to, because like you said, he's an A-list actor. If he's not, he's right there on the cusp of being one. Why not make your own opportunities? If you've got an idea, run with it. Go for it. See what happens. Make it a comic book. Maybe it get, maybe it never gets beyond that, but does it doesn't mean it's not successful either. Exactly. Exactly, man. But, I mean, look at this way. They have two issues already in the can right now, which is a great thing. It's going to come out next year. And, hey, we're only a couple weeks away from 2016. So, That's right. of course, I think, you know, one of us on the show, we have to review this. And Joss Whedon's got another book coming out That's from right. Dark Horse in 2016, too. So it's going to be the year of Dark Horse. Dark Horse, look out. They've By already... The way, I do want to say this. Thank you, Dark Horse, for actually a, a little bit behind the curtain here. I want to thank Dark Horse. I posted a picture up on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash nerdy about a week ago. Uh, thank you, Dark Horse, for sending us a Christmas card. Yeah, actually. that was great. The art on there was fantastic. Yeah. Loved it. Loved <laughs> thank it. you very much for sending us a Christmas card, uh, Dark Horse. We didn't expect it. We, we get to the office, and all of a sudden we see, oh, hey, Dark Horse sent us something. Oh, it's a Christmas card. Yeah, thank exactly. you, Dark Horse. Yeah, that was, that was very cool. So hopefully you are having a very nice Christmas season. And by the way, we want to let everybody know, since we didn't do this in the intro because we got too caught up in the moment, uh, we will be doing a best of yep. Christmas week. We're going to do our best interview moments, stuff like that. We've had a lot of cool ones in 2015. So we want to kind of give you a chance to listen to some of the best of what happened. Exactly. We're going to be taking off Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. So, you know, be with our families. It's that time of the year. So next week will be a best of show for Christmas. But hey, come next. We have a very special main topic coming your way. Find out what it is next on Down and Nerdy. Hi, this is David Harris from Superdog. You're listening to the Down and Nerdy podcast. Well, we said we had something really special in store for you this week, and we do because we did this last year. We're going to do it again. We're going to break down the mid-season finales of all of your favorite nerd shows, but Nick, we're going to do a little different this year. We're actually going to make it more of like a like a free-flowing discussion. We're not going to go into details because you know some of these aired at different times. It was a little bit broken up. I know Supergirl was the last to air. Obviously, we'll talk about that as well. But since they were so spread out, let's just make it more general. And, you know, like Let's talk about like what we didn't like, what we did like. And then at the end, we'll talk about what we think going forward. What do you think? Yeah, let's do that. Let's start off. Let's just get it out of the way with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Now... Uh, something that I liked, I mean, I like the fact that, it, and this is going to be spoiler-filled, by the way, so. Yeah, very spoiler-filled, because we figure you've had enough time, even if it's sitting on your DVR, this is your warning right here to, you know, maybe skip ahead when it's a show that you haven't seen yet. I like the fact that it appeared that Ward was dead. Yeah, appeared, not so much. Yeah, because, and then the one thing that we hate is that, I know we both hate, because we both text each other the same thing, which was, fucking Ward. Now, apparently, of course, you know, they go to this, like, separate world that uh, Simmons was on, but there's this being. It's, like, the person they said it's, like, the first inhuman, kind of. Yeah. And apparently what it can do is it can infiltrate dead bodies and kind of make them living. Now, the bodies will still rot, but 
you know, here's the thing. I knew that this was going to happen because uh, I knew when, what's his name, the astronaut there? I knew he fucking died. From yeah, that we day. knew that. I knew we it knew. wasn't yeah. him the entire time. I'm like, I'm like, I knew. And then uh, Coulson breaks, you know, he, pretty much with his hand, he breaks. Uh, yeah, he crushes his chest cavity. Crushes his chest cavity, wards chest cavity. You're like, okay, cool. Finally, it's done. They can move on. They're going to capture the, the guy Ward was working with from Hydra. Nope. He stops the car, the head guy from Hydra, apparently, and he sees fucking Grant Ward, at least what appears to be Grant Ward, because you see the thing moving in his head. Yeah. And I'm like, what the fuck? And, and, and I'm sorry, I'm saying this right now. We said this many a times. Fuck, we even dedicated a show to this. This is why you don't connect shit when it comes yep. to TV and movies. Yeah. Because this is why. Flash and Arrow, and we'll move to those next. This is why Flash and Arrow are so good, and Age of the Shield, I I was getting into this season. I really was enjoying it. Yeah, I was actually enjoying the Inhumans thing more than I thought I would. Yeah. So I was I was, was actually Lash. excited about that, yeah. I was enjoying Flash, and the thing is, this is why you don't do this shit. This is why you don't combine the two, because now, Wars, you, you, you can't move on to different people, and that's the problem. It's like, because Hydra, they're like, oh, well, Hydra's probably going to be such a big thing in the MCU, so we can't possibly get rid of Hydra. You know, this is why, you know, Arrow could be able to get Raish one season, and now Damien Dark this season. Yep. Whereas this, it's been Hydra and Ward all fucking long since season one. I'm sick of it, man. Like, this has gotten to the point where I'm like, you fucking had me. You had yep, me. I was watching yep. you every week. Yep. Fuck this show. I'm back to my original thought. Fuck the show. I'm not watching it anymore. I'm going to do a little Robin Williams right now. I'm going to be like, Brett Dalton, Yeah, it's, it's not your fault. <laughs> it's not your fault. It's not his fault. It's not his fault that they're doing this. He's, he's good. As Ward, he's good. But we're sick of the whole Hydra thing. It's like, come on. At least you're giving me something different. Every seat now, people could say, "Well, you know, Flash and Zo- Reverse Flash and Zoom are kind of the same thing." No, not at all. Not actually, at all. if you know anything about the comics, not at all. And maybe that's part of the problem too. There is no precedent for this at yeah. all in the comics, really. Now, they don't. There doesn't have to be. We talked about that earlier. You don't have to go completely with the comics, but there's just. There's no justify. The reason I'm saying that is there's no justifiable reason to keep this going as long as they have. We're what season three now? Season three, yeah. Isn't it time to move on to something else? And with the Inhumans and everything that happened with with well, uh, think- Daisy's mother and everything and her father, it almost felt like they were going to kind of turn that corner, right? And they were going to do more Inhuman well, again, stuff. Yeah, it's the fucking problem. Inhumans doesn't come out till like 2019 or 2018, where the fuck it comes out, and. Then you're like, oh, we got to prolong the human thing for as long as we can because we had to have that one jumping off point, just like with Age of Ultron, where Coulson will say something and then it'll just lead into Age of Ultron or whatever you know the movie would be. And it's like, it, it, this bothers me because it's like, you know, this whole time you could be like, hey, AIM is out there. Uh, yep. You know, other shit is out there. But nope, we got to stick with Hydra. We got to stick with Grant Ward. And it's like I said, dude, it just fucking kills me. It just shows. It's like that one X that you just can't get over, even though they've been like, you know, it, it, you just can't get over them, even though they, like, they cheated on you and they treated you like shit a, a little bit. 
and they just cock tease you the entire way, yep. you know, the entire relationship. You're like, you know what, maybe this will change. And you finally see some change in them, and then you one night you catch them again, and they're back to their old tricks, and you're like, I, I, you can't move on. Like, you yep. really can't. They've got, they've got AIM, like you said. They've got the Illuminati. They've still got Inhuman stuff that they could still explore through the show. I mean, there's just so many things oh, that they yeah. could do. It's, it's just, like I said, it's, it's, like that, it's like that one person who can't stop talking about their ex. And, and, I mean, now they're going to have to tie into Civil War at some point because that's kind of what they've been doing. And, and I think I said this on a previous show, this dampens my excitement for Agent Carter now. Yeah. Because the same people that complain about Gotham, and we'll get to Gotham, of course, a little bit later on as well. The same people that complain about Gotham and how they wish it was this. I wish Agent Carter was more about, like, the origins of S.H.I.E.L.D., yeah. And maybe it kind of is, but if that's the case, this is the slowest origin story ever. Right. Like, right. ever. Right, exactly. And you know that's what it's going to be. It's going to be another, I think Agent Carter might be another slow season because Peggy Carter apparently is in Civil War. And, you know. Right. So, and I know they're going to bring Madame Mask in at some point in Agent Carter, yeah. but it's like, that's that's really early. Yeah. I think, so what are you going to do with well, that? Since you brought it up, let's talk about Flash now. And, you know, listen, I know people are saying, well, uh, Harrison Wells, you know, and, and Zoom, you know, same thing. It's like, yes, you understand that this Flash, most of his enemies are mostly speedsters. However, personality-wise, they're fucking different. Zoom, yeah. I don't care how what you say. Uh, reverse Flash did not carry Barry's broken body across no. fucking Central City and put him on display for everybody to see. No, this is a sense of doom that I was talking about earlier, where it's like, they he could actually lose. He could, like, did anybody think that Oliver Queen was going to die when he fought Raish last season? No, but he did. It was that shock factor, and you actually kind of get the sense that Zoom could take out Barry. Right. So it's very, very different. They've kicked it up a notch. But can I just say one thing mm. about this finale? Mark Hamill is my freaking hero. I know, right? He's this guy, guy, oh my God, to be such a chameleon. Yeah. To be able to do such a great job with Luke Skywalker, such a great job as the Joker, and now the Trickster. I want a season of the Trickster, and I know I'll never get it in a million years. I want it so bad, because every time he's been on the show, I can't take my eyes off the screen, because it's so great. Oh, exactly, man. And again, you know, you see, I love the whole, like, uh, I, and this is the thing, this is what's smart about Flash, is that they use the different wormholes and stuff like that yep. to suck up all those bombs, you know, with Weather Wizard and, and uh, Trickster created, and it's just, it's it was really creepy. I don't want to say, this was probably one of the most creepiest uh things ever and i mean oh yeah with the dolls when they were going at patty oh, yeah, and on the flash yeah oh, that was and, that uh, was creepy when they go to when they go in the the uh i love how when they go in the the toy factory and they have like, all these dreidels that are like bombs that are spinning near them that's like, what i meant there you yeah. go yeah yeah yeah. that was that was pretty creepy yeah the dreidels and, he, and hamill's singing and you know he's they're like okay we we, we can't step over them because they're you know pressure sensors yep. and stuff like that and so Barry has to, like, you know, move his arms fast. They have to fly out of there. Uh, there was so course, much emotion, though, in this in this finale. Well, it was then, like the well, feels well, were well, everywhere. Well, they, I think that what they did was they finally made Patty a, a I think, the strongest character that she needs to be in yeah. this one. Yeah, I And agree. they gave her, and, they, and I'm going to say this right now, 
they treated her in this episode instead of just more in a love interest and, and Joe's partner from time to time appears to be, look like. I mean, she's his partner, but we don't really see them together a lot. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's always like she's come up to him or whatever. But anyways, this one was they gave her conflict, and that conflict was so good. And they gave her depth. Yeah, too. that was great. They gave her a different side because, you know, they, they made her goofball to, to to be compatible with Barry. And I totally understand that. I don't have a problem with that. But what they gave her was they gave her another level. And, they, and, and in doing so, they gave their relationship another level, even though she still doesn't know. But I got to tell you right now, man, when Wally West walked up to that door. Ooh, yeah. And, and Joe's standing right there. I, I, had, I was choked up. And if yeah. you weren't choked up, I mean, I don't know, man. Maybe you need to. You need to check your pulse or something because that was an emotional moment right there. So here's the thing. When do you think we're going to see Wally West become Flash, if at all? Uh, well, I don't know if they're going to do the whole thing where they wait until the whole crisis event where Barry disappears, Slash dies or whatever. But what they need to establish at some point, and I know that they will do this based on past history, we need to find out how he gets involved in the Speed Force and how he gets that power in the first place. So it'll be very interesting. And I'm still going to go with the whole. There's a chance. That Harrison Wells. Is in some way. His real father or something like that. I know yeah. that that's crazy. I'm sorry. I can't let that go. That <laughs> that's maybe somehow how it happens. Or or it's somehow Zoom or something. And I still think that you know Henry Allen. Earth to Henry Allen is Zoom. I think we're still going to go with yeah. that, right? We're still right. cool with that? Okay. But what if... No, but you bring up a great point. What if Earth 2 Wally West is Zoom? Oh, that's another good point. Because they could basically do whatever they want to do. Well, here's clearly the th- done and here's that. The, and here's the thing, too. Zoom is very, very fast. We both know that. Oh, yeah. What if he has the ability to be two places at once? What if this entire time he was born Earth 1 and somehow maybe discovered Earth 2 or something like that and it kind of goes between the two Earths and pretty much. That would be and, and, diabolical. And this, and this is his way of getting in and infiltrating the, the Star Labs crew. If if they made Wally West Zoom that would be diabolical. <laughs> to like do the whole family thing and then all of a sudden yeah. oh by the way. Well, it's, but, it'd be, but here's the thing though it's fucked up but it's pretty It would be great. Cool. Yeah great, it would though. be great because that would be like that would be way worse than the whole Harrison Wells thing. You know, he's kind of like a dad, a second dad to bear, like a third dad actually. But this is Joe's son. Yeah, like, that would be that would be really messed up if they did that. I'm not saying that it's not going to happen or that it shouldn't. I'm just saying that would be that would be a huge surprise. Yeah, a huge surprise. Hey, I don't even at this point. I don't care who Zoom is. I think that they they really they've put themselves in a position. We really can't screw this up. You know, yeah. even if it's somebody we don't know or if it's not somebody that we mentioned, does that lessen it at all? Like, if it ends up being Hunter Zolomon, does that lessen it at all? I don't think it does. No, because they they made Zoom pretty much a, a diabolical character. And what's great about it is, you know, now we saw at the end of the episode, Harrison Wells, he says, yep. I will help you, you know, defeat Barry Allen. But the thing is, and this is why you know, people say, well, it's the same thing as the first season when Harrison Wells goes against Barry Allen. Not really, because here's the thing. Harrison Wells in this season, at least the Harrison Wells from Earth Earth 2, is doing it against his will. And other, this Harrison Wells has a conscience. Yeah. That's a huge difference. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And and that's the thing, you know. And, and you know, I fear – the only thing I fear, though, is that we're going to follow the same tropes, the same uh, circle, circle of – 
I can't trust Harrison Wells, da, 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 kind of a thing. That's the only thing I fear. But outside yeah. of other things, though, uh, I think it's gonna, I think it's gonna work out, man. I really, really do. We, of course, staying with CW, let's go to to Arrow, man. Let's let's go to to Arrow now. Let's just get this out of the way. We don't know yet whose name is on the tombstone, but. I think there's a little bit of a, a red herring, if you will. We it, think we know. Yeah. We think obviously you think it's Felicity, right? Right. But you and I were talking about a theory where I think that like you said, the red herring is that okay, let's go at Felicity to distract Oliver. Obviously that would really distract Oliver to go after then- Diggle. Well, and here's the thing, too, really quick on Felicity. Now, in this episode, she does get shot. We see that. And there's an attack, um, you know, on Oliver. And I think that was more of an attack on Oliver to pretty much divert him. Not kill, yep. but more divert him. Yep. So they could probably go get Diggle and maybe go after his family and stuff like that. Um, but she gets shot. And there have been people saying, like, well, if she becomes Oracle, what if she becomes Oracle? I'll say this. If she becomes an Oracle-like figure on arrow they pretty much just wiped out everything positive about her from this this season so far well i mean the deal is i mean isn't she hasn't she kind of been oracle now yeah in a way so i don't know why you have to why you have to paralyze her for her to be oracle i don't think that that's what they need to do um I mean, could it be? I I don't think it could be Thea, but could it be? Sure, I guess I Thea could Diggle, be the one. And the I still think it's Diggle. I think it's Diggle because it makes sense, man. Because Oliver and Diggle have that brother brother uh, history, man. You know, and we kind of talked about how maybe this brings Diggle's brother, you know, out of the yep. shadows and it snaps him out of it, kind yep. of thing. And he has to be the man of Diggle's family, where he wasn't the man of his own family, kind of thing. Yep. So was- maybe that happens as well. Exactly. It's one of those things where, who knows, maybe Dark kills Diggle, and then Diggle's brother sees that, or maybe witnesses it, sees it firsthand, and that snaps him out of it. And then he says, you know what, I wasn't there for my family, my family believes I'm dead. Yep. Uh, But, however, Diggle, you know, his family, I don't know what his wife knows, but Diggle knows that, you know, you know, I'm still alive, so I'm gonna be the man. Yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna re- help raise his daughter in his absence, like he did for me and my family. And and that'd be a nice coming, you know, full circle. It would suck uh, for David Ramsey, of course. But, oh, of course. Um, you know, I mean, he's been great in that show. But it's really, if you want something to come full circle, that's I think a perfect way to do it. And I think that an- another thing that I liked about the finale of Arrow, the midseason finale, was. They gave Damien Dark, finally gave Damien Dark some vulnerability. They were actually defeating him in battle, which I thought, I think you need that. Even if you want to make your villain seem larger than life, like Zoom is in the Flash kind of thing. They showed a chink in the armor. They showed a little bit of vulnerability that, hey, they can defeat Damien Dark. There is a way for them to at least slow him down. So I'm glad that they did that before they took the break because, I mean... Like I said, you want your villains to be larger than life, but at some point you have to, you do have to give you that sense of doom. I think we've had that the entire time with Dark, but you also need to give them a sense of, hey, this guy can be beaten. Well, they even did that with Deathstroke. At one well, here's point. the thing is that you look at the Joker, right? What did Joker do with Batman? All his games were mind games, right? He wanted to break Batman mentally. He was never about the physical aspect. Damien Dark, what is he? 
He's the Joker for Oliver Queen because he's trying to break him mentally. He's not, you know, on a physical level, he's not trying to really get him physically and beat him one-on-one physically. He's doing it all mentally. Hence putting him, putting, you know, his close friends and family in that gas chamber and and turning on the gas on them and uh, going after Felicity and everything else. He wants, uh, and possibly maybe going after Diggle, he wants Oliver to snap. Yeah, and again, if it is Felicity that dies... Again, I don't think that's a lose for them. Yeah. I think that that would obviously still push it forward to the... We saw the previews for the upcoming rest of the season where he says, I'm going to kill him. Well, that would certainly make him want to kill him if Felicity dies. Or, yeah. if, but the same reaction, if it's Diggle. Yeah. You know? so And we know that Colton Hayes <laughs> is coming back yeah. in the second half of the season. Maybe not permanently, but, but he is if- shooting, so... Yeah, but again, what if it's the whole... And this is the problem with this is it's more of a same thing they did with Thea, where what if Colton Hayes is the one that comes back because under Damian Duck's mind control or whatever and kills Diggle. And, and that could happen. That yeah. could happen. But, I mean, how cool would it be to see Speedy and Arsenal in one spot, though? That would be pretty neat. Do you think they got a backup suit I, I, Roy? I would think. I, I would, would think, think so. <laughs> well, I would think that... I would like to think that him and Thea aren't the same size. Yeah, right. Especially in the... <laughs> Maybe in the chest area might be a little larger for one of them. I don't know, but uh, just saying. Hopefully, they've got a uh, different cut of that suit. Exactly. On standby. Exactly. But I think that, like, when you look at this, man, I, I, I mean, it's it was a good show. It was a really, really, really good show. You know, let's let's fuck. Let's just stay with the DC route. Let's go to Supergirl. Yeah, and uh, I, let's talk about. Cause of course, it wasn't in the finale, but we could talk about it now. And I was right. Of Martian Manhunter. Yep, yep, absolutely. Absolutely, you were right. But now let's take it that step further. Now do we come full circle and get everything we said where Dean Kane's character, Mr. Danvers, comes back as Cyborg Superman. Do we get that? That's a possibility. (laughs) It's kind of funny because he was Superman in the 90s, so to see him be Cyborg Superman if he came back. Because remember... I mean, he said that, you know, and we'll say this right now, Hank Henshaw isn't Cyborg Superman. He's actually John Jones, the Martian Manhunter. He just assumed the identity of Hank Henshaw. And I got to tell you this, man, it'd be funny. But the thing is, uh, you know, here's the thing, though. Why would he make the promise, though, to uh, Agent Danvers? You know, or Dean Kane saying, "I will protect your daughter if Dean Kane doesn't come back and wreak havoc." Well, but we don't know what happens to Dean Kane once this whole thing goes down. Maybe it alters his mind, kind of thing, right, or something like that. So that's, I mean, because that happens to Hank Henshaw. Hank Henshaw was evil already, but because in, in the comics, I'm saying Hank Henshaw was evil already, but when he dies, he blames Superman. That alters his mindset, and that's how he becomes Cyborg Superman. Right. And I got to tell you, man, Martian Manhunter looks fucking awesome. I mean, it does. It looks <laughs> great. They're going with the animated look, which I like. Not that yep. there's anything wrong with the comics look, but they're going with the 90s animated look for him. I like that. Uh, I liked it in the mid-season finale, since that's what we should be talking about in the first place. Yeah. That uh, that scene where he says, you don't fight like a human. Oh, exactly. Like, I'm not. And the eyes get red. And he has to kill the dude because now he knows the I secret. Like, I like how, uh, what was it, um... You know, the, the, him and Agent Danvers were in the in the, the DEA uh, uh, stronghold there, and he's talking about how like his telekinesis won't work on. Yeah, uh, I can't her, read minds. Can't read minds. And then she looks at him. And he's like, "Yeah," and he kind of gives a little bit of a nod to Superman. He's like, "Yeah," he thinks it's it's 
It's kind of dumb, too. Yeah, it's just like, you can read minds, too? <laughs> yes, I can. Yeah. But I, speaking of red herrings, we had one in this episode, the whole battle between Astra and Supergirl, where she kind of, it's, and again, this is a trope, the villain gets caught on purpose as a distraction, and yep. then Non's the one that ends up wreaking havoc, out of all places, with uh, Maxwell Lord. Yeah, and that's kind of interesting, because Maxwell Lord... And you, man, part of me even still wonders to this day, man, what if Lord is in on all this, man? Because what if he's doing it to get that national, that notoriety, man? You right. know, I mean. I think that Maxwell Lord is going to be Supergirl's Lex Luthor. Oh, he, oh, definitely. Without a doubt. Because I think that there's Lex precedent Luthor. for that in the comics as well, if I remember right. There's something shady about Maxwell Lord. But here's the thing, though. I love this. I love that egg. We got more of Kara on Krypton, but also I love the fact that these past couple episodes, even going back with like Red, the start off I would say with the Red Tornado episode, to now this was the season finale, mid season finale. Kara's had a lot of deep internal struggle. Oh yeah, no doubt. A lot, it. and, no doubt and we've seen her become stronger because of it. Like to see when she's fighting her sister, her sister's like, you couldn't kill me. Like, you couldn't, or you couldn't kill your aunt in the fight, and, you know, you didn't want to, and she's like, well, Superman doesn't kill. And she's like, Bakara, are you ready to do that if you have to do that? Like, yeah. you know, and... And the whole thing with her mom and the projection there, where she finally oh, lets that's it all thing. out. Yeah, and that's what uh. I'm talking about. That scene, and that's why you see why Melissa Benoist got cast for this role, yeah. because it's because of that raw, emotional scene, like, you lied to me! And mind you, this whole time... She's talking to a hologram, a, yeah. a computer program, and when she's like asking all these questions, she's like, "I'm sorry, I cannot give you that information." And therein lies the frustration, right there. And, you know, that's, and she that always, brings it forefront. And right she there. goes, "I'm sorry, I'm not programmed to give you this information." You know, and it's like over and over again, and she's just, and then she just shoots her heat vision at it, and I'm yeah, like, "That was crazy." Shit. That was crazy. And then, of course, you had the whole thing with, I got to say this, man, Calista Flockhart, <laughs> she should be nominated, I think, for like a, a Golden Globe or some sort of award for Supergirl. And I love the fact that she's kind of like that mother figure somehow. In yeah, a weird way. and let's just say now, she knows that Kara is Supergirl. Yeah, that, she put those two together really easily. But can I just really say this? Easily. As somebody who just wears glasses to hide your identity... Thank you for doing that, Supergirl. Yeah, like, yeah. thank you for thank you for doing everything we said about Clark Kent this entire time. Yeah. He just wears glasses, but yet nobody knows he's Superman. Hey, Kara just wears glasses, but Cat Grant knows who Supergirl is, yep. and that's the thing. And I'm like, thank you, thank thank you for finally closing that loop. Yeah, and I do like the fact that. She still had to kind of put the pieces together. Oh, so yeah. They didn't make it just that, like, she kind of looked at her one way and went, hey, you kind of look like Supergirl. That was the nail in the coffin. They oh, didn't yeah. use that as the as the springboard. They She kind of puts it together, especially with the whole the whole almost takedown of Catco thing. Yeah. And let's face it, Cars made a few mistakes yeah. when it comes to, you know, kind of opening her mouth when she shouldn't. Yeah. So she kind of did it to herself, but... No, I like that, and I kind of also like the fact that in this episode they closed the whole win slash oh, James yeah. Olsen slash Kara love triangle thing where where James is like, hey, knock yourself out, man. Yeah. Go for it. Yeah. Even yeah. though they're still kind of there, you know, because you see his face, you see uh, James Olsen's face when they kind of, when he's interacting with Kara, and you can tell there's something there, yeah. but they're moving on from it for now, which I like the fact that they're doing. 
Exactly, man. But I, I mean, I like the Supergirl thing. I want to see where we're going to take Martian Manhunter and uh, it, all around solid, solid, man. So that leaves us with what other mid-season finale is there? Outside of Gotham, is there another one or no? No, let's just go with Gotham. I think that that's all we really need to do because, I mean, has there been a better season right now? I'm going to just put it out there. Yeah, man. Um, this just shows why I love Penguin so much. <laughs> that that I mean, last scene. Yeah. That last scene, and we finally see James Gordon fucking go over. He, I want to say this. James Gordon pulling the bullet in Galavan is pretty much Fox taking James Gordon and putting him over that line that Batman never crossed. Yeah, it's another level for James Gordon, and maybe this is where he really starts to become the hardened commissioner, James Gordon, and this is what's going to probably push Dr. Tompkins away, because we know that that doesn't last. Right. Based on comics, we know that that doesn't last, so maybe this is the thing that starts to push them away, where he starts to get hardened, and he said, you know, and the theme of the last few episodes has been, Gotham is different. This city's different. I can't just walk away, and so on and so forth. They've really pushed that out there in these last several episodes. Like the whole thing where he's got a choice. She's pregnant. He can get in the car and take off with her, or he can go after Galavan and go save Bruce. Right. And he chooses the city over his pregnant girlfriend. But mind you, I like how they did it because in real life, he did knock her up in real life, you know. Yeah. So, so I mean, I like how they brought you know, Maria Bradkarian's pregnancy uh, into the forefront, and yep. they actually create a way for her to be, you know take some time off and you know enjoy being pregnant. And you know, but yeah, it's that choice where he's like, "I'm going to save Bruce," because in a sense, saving Bruce equals what? Saving Gotham. Right, exactly, because he's the last son of Gotham, kind of. If you want to put that in quotes. By the way, go ahead. Can we just say, when I take it, whenever you need to take down like an order of the Brotherhood or whatever, some some big you know order, whenever you team up with somebody, you don't need a fucking car. You'll walk the entire goddamn way to that the was fucking great. Place. That was great. It was like Tombstone, where Wyatt Earp's guys are walking up to the OK Corral, ready for a showdown. I loved that. <laughs> I mean, he's cool. gonna storm in like a boss and take down the order. I loved that. I know, right? And, of course, you know, and one thing I like, too, is we saw, you know, Tigress pretty much say, you know, call her brother Theo Gallagher out of his horse shit and saying, like, man, you're going to, like, excommunicate your, your niece? And like, she's like, that's fucked up. And she yeah. just calls him a fraud and just says, fuck this. And her and Silver get away. And it's it was and really Selena great. And Selena as well. Yeah, think man. Think about that. Maybe there's going to be, I think there's going to be a little bit of mentorship there with, uh, with Tigress and Selena, maybe. Yeah. Think about that. That's, I mean, this is like pre-Catwoman here, so. Yeah, man. I mean, and that's the thing, too, is, you know, who knows? We'll see. But, uh, man, I, I love that they brought in, the you know, the whole, you know, uh, thing with, with Galavan. And and it just, it felt right. You know, I, I know people say, well, Gotham's cartoony and all this other stuff. It's a good show. And Is there I, overacting in it? Sure. Sure. But they're supposed to be. Yeah. I think there's a reason for that. Like, Michael Chiklis has been amazing Yeah. on the show. Oh, yeah. Oh, he's been, he's been fantastic. That's going to be another thing is, like, 
you know, is there going to be a point where maybe not he die, but maybe he does something against Gordon and that causes Gordon to try to go after him Could and be. rise in the ranks? Could be. You know, because I doubt that Chickless is like, yeah, I would have been on a job for a couple of months. I'm going to leave and go somewhere else. Yeah, um, I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> you know, but. <laughs> or know, maybe, maybe here's the thing. This, maybe this is even better. Huh. Maybe he goes to Gordon at some point and says, you know what? This is your city, not mine. This is clearly your city. I'm going to go save another city. You take this one. Right. Like, instead of doing a whole, well, he's corrupt, or we have to take him down, maybe it's the whole respectful changing of the guard kind of thing. I think that would be a cool way to do it. Yeah, exactly, man. I mean, I love this show. I love the way they took it with this midseason finale. Come up next, man. We got Mr. Freeze coming his way. So what do you think uh, about, about that? They gave a little bit of a, a teaser towards the uh, – uh, end of this end of the episode freeze. I love the look. I really do, especially since it's a like an origin look. Obviously, just like anything else, it's going to evolve a little bit. I think I I love the look, and I love the fact that we're going to explore that a little bit further, especially this early on. And people could say, "Oh, it's too early to bring in Mister Freeze." Well, that's just that. it's not. What's well, that? But saying, "Oh, he looks like Captain Cold." Dude, it's version one freeze. You're not gonna expect him to walk on with the whole fishbowl look, right? Yeah, like, he, he yeah, he does not and keep in mind, if he did, that would be too soon because you're pushing his character forward yeah. to a point where he needs that suit. He doesn't need it yet. And it could be right now at the point where <clears throat> his wife could be Nora could be just getting sick or she's I think she's not, still alive in yeah, Gotham. He's still yeah. alive. She's probably just getting sick and he hasn't put her in suspended animation. Um, and, but it's that point where he, that's what I think it is. I think it's where they left it off. I think it was with Victor freeze pretty much, um, realizing I have to do this to save my wife. And he says, I'm going to make this suit like a makeshift suit. Kind of like we saw, uh, was, what was it? Firefly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, That evolved. And and how she made the suit and everything like that. Once that, I think that's what's going to be like with Freeze. Um, And I and we can just tell that this rest of the season he's going to be the big bad because the whole Gotham logo and everything's all frozen over. And we also have to keep in mind that Galavan's body goes to the research facility. Yes, I almost forgot about that. Underneath Wayne Enterprises. I almost forgot about Let's that. Let's keep that in mind, and, too. Oh, that's right. And they said Dr. Strange. I forgot. Hugo yep. Strange is going to make a... Uh, here's the thing. I think Freeze is going to be the main... He's uh, going to be the antagonist. antagonist. Out, outward. Yeah. He's going to be the outward antagonist, where Freeze is going to be the behind... I mean, not Freeze. I'm sorry. Uh, Hugo Strange yeah. is going to be the behind-the-scenes, here's what you don't know that's going on. Yeah. And maybe that's going to be something... That Bruce Wayne will find out about, and, and Lucius Fox, and mm-hmm. Alfred, and then Gordon, and then we'll have to deal with Freeze. And and here's the thing, is is that, you know, it's Strange, who knows, maybe they'll keep him towards the end of the season, and they'll maybe base the season on Strange, but, uh, oh my god, I, 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 I'm excited for this, man. I mean, can we just agree now, since, we're, you know, we're getting ready to wrap it up here, can we just say now, can we agree that out of all these shows, probably Gotham number one, right? Gotham, I think, had the best uh, mid-season finale, I think. Um, you know, I think overall, Gotham has been the best, most consistent show this season so far. Well, outside of Flash. But yeah, I, mean, I, I would put Gotham right up there with Flash. And I yeah. think that that's saying something. 
Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. And that's going to do it for this week's edition of the Down Nerdy Podcast. As always, we're always on Facebook at facebook.com slash Down Nerdy. On Twitter at Down Nerdy 757, I'm at Merck with one R, Mr. Witham. I'm at James Ace Witham. Don't forget, online as well, Down and Nerdy Podcast. Dot com. You want to find out what's going on with this week's show. You want to find out what we did in nerd news. We give you a little blurbs about it. Find out about it. If we have a guest, you can find out how to get more information about that guest in the comic or the show that we're talking about on there. You go to the, the this week section. Plus, we review two new comics every week on our website. You can find out what else Nick is reading, what else I'm reading. Go up there. Now, this coming week's going to be a little different. Of course, it's going to be Christmas, Nick. So we're going to do our... Best of interviews this week. The best interview moments. We'll have that going up probably about Christmas Eve is when that'll go up. Yeah, I'll probably try to have it maybe about 5 p.m. Christmas Eve or maybe 8 p.m. One of the two. But it will go up at around 5, between 5 and 8 p.m. on, on Christmas it's Eve. It's a little different than our usual. Plan. Yeah, and like I said, you know, next week we're taking off Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. <clears throat> we'll be back on that Friday. But yeah, again, we're... Uh, we're gonna we're gonna do our best of and and I mean we looked at like we we count up all the interviews we did we had like what 29, 30 yeah, interviews something like that so there's so, gonna be a yeah, lot so, to choose from so we're still trying to like pick and choose like what segments we and want. now not everybody's gonna be in it we will say that it's yeah. not gonna be like a three hour long show so don't worry about that no it's just gonna be the best of moments and yes we will review Star Wars the Force Force Awakens. On our next new episode, coming up episode 93, we will have our review of Star Wars The Force Awakens. And plus, the reason why we're doing that, again, next week's our Christmas show, but also, when we do our Star Wars thing, it'll be two weeks since the movies come out, so by then, everybody's seen it, so we can do a spoiler thing, and people won't flip out on us. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, but again, I want to quickly bring up the website, downnerrypodcast.com. James, as you mentioned, we did two new written reviews this week. I, of course... Did Brooklyn Animal Control from IEW, which I loved. I really, really loved. It's actually headed to USA Network as a TV series. Mm-hmm. Go read my review. What did you do this week? I did Ninjack number 10 from Valiant. It was the first, it was the jumping off point of the uh, Operation Deadside arc that they're doing. So you can find out what I thought about that. All right. So again, hit up our website, hit up our Amazon store, sign for Amazon Prime, help the show out. And I just want to quickly say that, uh, you know, I, I actually posted the picture of the shirt. And people are asking me where they can get one. You know, we'll talk about maybe getting some T-shirts or something yeah. that people can buy. We'll, we'll figure that out. We'll figure it out. Don't worry. Yeah, we'll figure it out. But as always, I leave you with this. Price safe comic book reading. Always bag and board your comics.